if you just came in, I'll introduce myself again. My name is Grace and I'm so excited to be here. I'm not from Orlando, I'm from Kenya. And um, I've been here for uh, some time now. Um, and I've just enjoyed meeting people, uh, friends who've become family. And it's been exciting to talk about ministry and other meaningful conversations um, about what God is doing in my life and what God is doing in the US and the church. And it's been amazing. But I don't know if it's only me or Maybe you've experienced this. Have you been in groups where people passionately talk about food? <laughs> Have you tried Wendy's? No, you need to go to Chick-fil-A. No, 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 no. Have you tried Jeremiah's? And yeah, we've been talking about food. And the conversation will end with, Grace, what's your favorite food? And I'll always say, Ugali. What? Ugali. Um, that's my traditional food. It's, it's made from maize flour corn flour and I love it when I eat it with goat meat and people will be like oh, well I'm not sure you'll get, you'll get goat meat here and I ask why no one explains to me why no one has answered me that question until one day I made a journey a long journey just down here to Disney and <laughs> went to the animal kingdom and took a ride to the animal section and I find this innocent beautiful, good-looking goats. And people pay money to just come and brush them. <laughs> Where are you wasting food, guys? <laughs> May the Lord forgive us. In my conversations, uh, one day I was having this uh, conversation with a lady by the name Carol, not her real name. And she was telling me how she's on a journey to restore her relationship with her mom. And I asked her, what happened between you and your mom? You're 40 years old, you have children. She should be enjoying that you have grandchildren for her. But she was like, no, it's not been easy. A few years back, her marriage was in shambles because my dad, Carol's dad, went out and started a family with another woman and they have children. And she was telling me how that other family is not doing well. And I'm like, why do you think they're not doing well? And I'm like, they are cursed. I mean, their marriage was not blessed. My mom's is the one that was blessed and they're born out of adultery. So they're carrying out sin and they will not have a good life and all that. I'm like, ooh, ouch. That's, that child is me, that child is me, man. That child is me. And she was like, what do you mean? When my dad gave up on us and uh, stopped showing up, he made a very good decision to concentrate with his family. But that made an impact on us. And we always enjoyed, I was always happy when daddy came home once a month or on a good month, he'll spend two nights with us because he'd always come with gifts and toys. And you know, it was always fun. Oh, daddy came. It was always a joy, but he stopped. And because he was no longer in our lives and he no longer wanted to be in our lives, my mom could not afford to pay house rent and school fees for me and my twin brother. So we transitioned and vacated and went to live uh, with my grandmother. She lived in this small village where everybody knew everyone and there were no secrets. So everybody knew that my mom is back to her matrimonial to, to, uh, home. Her marriage did not work out and she has two kids. Wow, two kids? Why not one? I don't know, God gave her two. And every single day, there was always this constant reminder that we are abandoned and we are rejected. 
I may have been a naughty kid, may or may not, depending on what the definition of naughty, but I made several mistakes growing up. And every time I was reminded, see, that is where you were left. And I couldn't bear it. Every time going out there in the village to play with kids, and they'll say all these bad things about my mom, and they'll say bad things about us, and I got tired. The people that we went to seek out refuge from are the same people who poured lemon juice on our fresh wounds. I was fed up. And I went to my mom and asked her, how long are we here again? And she was like, I don't know. Are we going to dad? She was like, no. Is he coming for us? No. But I'm like, I'm tired. I can't do this. Oh, don't, don't worry. You have a dad. I'm like, where is he? It's God. I'm like, okay, so how do, do I get to him? And she told me, if you give your life to Christ, then he will become your father. And this one will not abandon you. This one is not going to leave you. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So one normal day, and a normal day, I mean, we woke up early in the morning, in the dawn of the day, went to the river to fetch water, carry it on our back, run home, go to the, to the farm to dig or to weed, depending on the season. And in the afternoon, we'll go to the, uh, to the forest to collect firewood, because that is what we used for cooking. And this one beautiful afternoon, we, uh, we were two other girls in the, uh, in the forest and co busy collecting firewood. And two ladies and a gentleman approached us and they asked, hey ladies, do you have a minute? Can we talk to you? I'm like, sure. In the forest, I mean, we always mind our business. No one is out there to reach out to us. So this was a unique day. They shared the gospel with us and I gave my life to Christ. And that was the end of collecting firewood. I gathered the little sticks that I had put together, tied it to the rope, put it on my back and literally ran home. I was running home because I couldn't wait to share with my brother the joy that I had received. So I went home, oh, thank God he was still there. So I told him, kneel down, repeat after me, I'll explain later. So he, he repeated, we made the prayer and he prayed and we hugged each other and we were so happy and we're like, finally we have a dad. In case we go out there and people call us bastard and all those new names they're giving us, remind them we have a father and this one is not leaving us. Guys, God wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us, regardless of where you came from and how you came regardless of who you are and what people have named you, regardless of your ethnicity and where you were born, regardless of what you did in summer and last night, he wants to have a relationship with you. Throughout the scriptures, we see God reaching out and inviting us into a relationship with him. In the Garden of Eden, God walked in the cool of the day just to spend some quality time with Adam and Eve. In Exodus, we see him calling Moses out of the wandering into a tent of meeting to have sweet time with him. In the Old Testament, through the prophets, we see God calling out to a wayward people to a restored relationship with him. The book of Psalms sings of this one who is the establishing rock of this relationship. Even closer home, in the New Testament, we see God coming closer to us through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, who is going to be our redeemer and a friend 
to each and every one of us. And the gospel does not end there. It goes all the way to Revelation, whereby we see a city of jewels prepared for you and I, a place where we will have eternal and glorious fellowship with our Father. How I pray that when we, were, we are there and rejoicing, I will look around and say, oh, I think I saw you somewhere. I know you, you made it here, hallelujah. I would love to see each and every one of us in that city of Jewel that the Lord is preparing for us. Today marks the end of our read of our journey. We started the, the book of Acts and early Acts. And when we began, we saw in the book of Acts chapter one, verse eight, a charge given to the apostles. And it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And we see the disciples going out there in faith and obeying the Lord and preaching the gospel and thousands and thousands of people were coming to faith. The church was growing big every day. They were meeting together every day and breaking bread together every day. Just when they got cozy and they knew each other's secrets and they were comfortable with it. They were ready to sell their property and everything they owned just to put the son of the neighbor in school. They wanted to do everything for each other. Then persecution hit. And when persecution came, many Christians were put in prison and even some lost their lives. But we see the apostles go to different cities, to different towns, not to hide but to spread the gospel. And we see Philip, one of the apostles, going to Samaria. And guess what? Samaria received the gospel. So the Samaritans and the Jews were never in agreement. But guess what? They were open. They were ready to receive the gospel. And in the story that you're going to read today, it's in your bulletin. The book of, a, uh, the book of Acts chapter 8. We are going to read from verse 26. Um, it's a long read, so allow me to not read everything. I will read from verse 26 to 31, and then I'll skip to verse 36, and then you can read the rest later. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official, in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran out to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then I'll go to verse 36. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Guys, we have here the story of conversion of an Ethiopian eunuch to the faith of Christ. And we have reason to believe that the region where he came from received the gospel through this man. 
The Ethiopia that we are talking about here is not the country that we know that is in the northeast of Africa, but it was considered as the region down south of Egypt. So the whole of that region was called Ethiopia. And these people that came from Ethiopia were looked upon as the meanest, the most despicable of all nations. Black Amuls, as if nature had stigmatized them. You can tell that's where it come from. Though the sun had looked up from them, yet the gospel is sent to them. The divine grace of God looks down upon them. For God so loved, not Jerusalem, not Judea, not America, not even Africa. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, anyone from whatever language, from whatever tribe, from whatever region of the world, whoever, anybody who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God came and he loved every one of us. And he still loves every one of us and is seeking to have a relationship with every one of us. From our text today, we see the Ethiopian representing a world that is in search for God, a world that is hungry for God. They want to know who is this God. They want to find the truth. And we see this man traveling miles and miles away from home, not for leisure, not for vacation, no for worship. He traveled all those miles away from home. I don't know how many miles you've traveled away from home and I don't know what took you there. But this man was seeking God. He went all the way to find God. And being a eunuch, probably the closest he could go to to the worship center was in the lobby. Because the Old Testament uh, temple was divided into three parts. There was a Holy of Holies, then there was the inner court and there was the outer court. And these guys were not allowed beyond the outer court. It's just like coming to church and hanging out in the lobby and then going home and saying, I went to church. Did you come to church? Oh yeah, you came to the lobby. But he probably never went any closer to the place of worship, but he went all the way still. As much as there were boundaries, as much as there was differences and there were some barriers that were set for him for worship, he still went either way all the way in search for God. And on his way home, this guy decides to take a read, not on business, of course not on politics. Maybe he would have tried to learn or read about fashion. But he said, no, I'm going to read the word of God. And wait, where did he get the scroll from? Where did he get the Bible? And of all books he wanted to read on the long journey, he carried a Bible. He was hungry and searching for the word of God, and searching for God. This rich and powerful leader proves to us how desperate you and I are without the Lord. He had almost everything that you and I would want to have in life, but his money was not enough. His position was not enough. His power, his authority, his title, was not enough, his prestige, wow, 
riding a chariot. That would be like a Rolls and Royce right now. Who owns a Rolls and Royce? Do not lift up your hand. <laughs> but that was not enough. His religion of taking a trip once in a year to go and worship the Lord in Jerusalem was not enough. He needed more. He was searching for more. In my ministry journey, I got a chance to visit India uh, last year and I spent a couple of months there. And I got to get gut-wrenching testimonies of people who've persevered persecution because of their faith, because of their belief in Christ. But yet more came to faith. I remember one evening going to an old lady's house in her 60s. She had never ever gone to church. At the front yard, she had her own temple with different gods that she used to pray to anytime she had a different need. She had an, a God for every need. But she realized that something is wrong, something is not adding up. She started feeling like these gods are not real, like she needs something more. And we went there and shared the gospel. She was a bit like, oh, give me some time to try and think. And we we're like, oh, sure, take all your time. And then we invited her to church on Sunday. Thank God she showed up and she did a very wise thing. She invited her friend to come to church with her just in case anything happens. You know, those church people. So she brought along a friend to church. They came and that Sunday I had the privilege of sharing the word. And after that I shared, I invited them for prayer. And they came running, an old woman running in front and said, I want that Lord, I want that Lord. And the neighbor woman looked at her and said, I want the Lord that she wants. And they both came and gave their life to Christ. The world is searching for God. The world is searching for the truth. Back to our story. This man, in his search for the truth, he was reading the book of Isaiah and he wasn't reading quietly. No. If you're like me, um, when I'm doing my study, sometimes I like to do it with some music in the background. Do you do that? Oh, cool. <laughs> At least I'm normal. And then after some time, I feel like, oh, well, this music is too noisy, so I'll switch it off and then start reading. For the God so loved the world. Then I feel like it's not getting in, so I'll take whatever I'm reading and read out aloud so that I can hear myself. Hoping that if I hear myself, I'll understand. So I can imagine the eunuch was in that state. He tried to read. Huh, it's not getting in. And then he started reading out loudly so that he, feel, he, he, he hears himself and feels probably he's going to understand. And just when he was there reading out loudly, Philip comes just in time. When this guy was stuck on a detail, wondering who is this prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about another man? He was stuck on a detail. And Philip picks up on that detail and presents Jesus to him. And the conversation they had was very brief. We do not have all the details of the conversation. But he had another question. He asked this guy, he asked Philip. So, well, uh, that was a good conversation we are having. So, And then they saw Water in the desert. Water in the desert? How? I mean, where did that come from? That must have been God's provision in the desert. And he asks, hey, wait, there is water there. What is stopping me? What is in the way of me for getting baptized? And Philip told him, well, 
Have you ever had a conversation with someone, you ask them a question and then they answer you with a question? Okay, well, that's what is happening here. So he asked, Philip asked the, the Ethiopian a question, do you believe with all your heart? Yes, okay, fine. Then let's go, I'll dip you in the water and yes, you're good to go. Philip was just leaving the mission that God had given them. In the book of Matthew 28 from 19, the disciples were told, go into all the nations, including the desert, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So this man had already made a commitment to follow Christ. And he was like, I'm going to leave out the mark of this commitment because he understood that baptism is the mark of a true commitment or a true dedication of a disciple of Jesus. And he lived out that. And I have reason to believe that when he went back to Ethiopia, he went and did everything that he, he went through. He went and preached the gospel and baptized others and told them, go and do what has happened to you. And the ripple effect continued. And probably that's why I'm here today. He did everything that he was taught to obey. And guys, something else that we read from our story or we gather from our story is that God often uses a person, a Philip, you and I, to help those who are seeking to connect their dots. There's some people who are like, they're in a puzzle, they don't understand and they need someone to come and fill it in. They need you and I, they need a Philip to come and answer the questions that they have. Philip had a very busy schedule. He was in Samaria and many people were showing up. Many people were coming to faith and he was preaching. He was praying for people for their healing and for those people who had different needs. He was a busy man and probably he took a nap. He was like, oh man, I'll take, maybe preaching is not easy. It's tiring. I'm going to take a nap after this. And I can imagine how much, how much he had been doing this and he was like, I just need five minutes to lay my head down. And when he was laying his head down, an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, wakey, 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 sleeping beauty, wake up. We have work to do. And he tells him, now, you've been in Samaria, kudos, good job. Oh, bravo, you did an amazing job. Now it's time to head out to the desert. What? Wait. We see the move of God in Samaria. Do you see how many people are showing up every day? Do you see how thousands and thousands of people are flocking every day and saying yes to the Lord? Why then do you want me to go to a, some dusty, lonely road in the middle of nowhere? Why do you want me to go all the way there? It's a waste of time, God. It's a waste of time. This is where it's getting down. People are here. But I thank God that Philip said yes. Philip was available. Philip was willing and Philip was ready to go wherever the Lord is sending him to go and share the gospel. Jesus is given to us as an example of a shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes out seeking for that one sheep that has gone astray. Philip leaves these multitudes of people 
who are giving their life to Christ, who have issues, they need prayers, it's busy. He leaves all the thousands and goes into a dusty, lonely road in the middle of nowhere for this one person. One soul matters to the Lord. You matter to the Lord. And the same zeal that brought Jesus on earth is the same zeal that we have today to reach out to that one person. One soul is significant in the eyes of the Lord. So this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch, he knew that he needed someone. He needed someone to help him understand what he is reading. We know that if it weren't for someone who stepped out to reach out to us, we wouldn't be here. And guess what? Someone is waiting for you to reach out to them and help them understand, explain to them, share your story, share a scripture. Someone is out there waiting. Is it easy? No. Is it scary? Yes. Probably Philip was afraid. He maybe have been afraid to tell. He was afraid he was going somewhere alone, somewhere he's not aware of. And then he meets this person, a different race. Of course, he had an accent. He, was, he had a different skin. He had a different lifestyle. He was riding on a chariot. Philip came walking. But either way, he was like, I'm gonna do it for you, Lord. Because he walked in obedience, the Lord used him. Do you want to experience God in your life? What if you said yes and say, well, I don't like them, but I'll go. We've not been talking for a while, but okay, Lord, if you say so, I will go. And guys, we can't do it alone. And we don't have to do it alone. Philip did not do it alone. The spirit of God was with him. The spirit of God was there to lead him and tell him it's time to go, it's time to run, go towards this direction. And the spirit of God was present. Even when they were having a good time chatting in the chariot, the spirit of God was there to convict the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch. All Philip had to do was to explain the word. Philip did not ask this man, do you want to get baptized because I'm busy, I need to go? No, he took his time. And this man himself, through the leading of the Spirit, said, I think I'm ready. And I want to get baptized. Is there someone in your life that you know clearly they're in a puzzle? They need some explaining. They need a hand. Probably they need to be invited over to church. Think about that someone. And then ask the Holy Spirit, to show you the right time, the right place, and the right moment. Because that is what he did with Philip. Philip came at the right time when this man was there lonely in the desert, struggling to understand. The right moment when he was reading the scripture about Jesus as he was being prophesied in the book of Isaiah. The right moment. And he shared the gospel. When we walk hand in hand with the Spirit of God, He will lead us in the right spaces, in the right timing, and in the right moment. 
there are a few ways that we can apply the story of Philip and the eunuch today in our lives. And the first one is relationship. God desires to have a relationship with us. He desires to have a relationship with you. Many of us probably are like this Ethiopian man. We show up in church every single day. We are never late. We come and sing and worship and have a good time, have coffee and banana bread and go home. And then show up again on Sunday. But we've not made that step of inviting Jesus into our hearts. Probably the reason you come is because you've grown up doing that. I mean, if you didn't come to church when you were a kid, your mom would spank you and kick you out of bed to come to church. So it's a tradition. Or maybe uh, my girlfriend goes to church and if I don't go, it's not going to work out, so I have to go to church. People go to church for a couple of reasons. But what about we made that step to say yes to the Lord that we worship every Sunday? You know, grace, that's a good idea, but... You have no idea the sins that I've committed. You have no, oh man, I don't think God is able to forgive me. Spoiler alert, he knows. There is nothing that he's hidden from the Lord. He knows every, he actually knows the thoughts that are going through your head right now. And he still says, you know what? I love you. And I want you to be mine because you matter. Do you need to make that step today? I'll ask you a question that the, Philippian, uh, that the Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip. What is hindering you today? What is, what is the obstacle? What's hindering you from saying yes to the Lord? The next way we can apply our story today is baptism. The eunuch knew that he had no time to waste. When he saw the water, he knew this is my time. This is my day. I'm getting into that water. I'm being baptized. Baptism is a huge step in the life of a believer. And you're saying probably, "Uh, I just started coming to church. I'm not even comfortable carrying a Bible. Hello. I have not joined a connect group. I'm even thinking whether I should go for regroup tomorrow. Do I still qualify to be baptized? Good question, I have a question for you. Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he is able, willing to cleanse you, purify you and make you his own? Do you believe? If your answer is yes, then yes, you can. You can be baptized. And today is a very good day to be in church because we have baptism at four. Come to hand on at four and we'll dip you in the water and celebrate with you as you make this huge step of your journey of faith. And lastly, guys, you're here, you're saying, well, I've done all that. I believe and I've been baptized. Is there anything for me? Yeah, of course, there's everything for everyone. That's why you came to church. Go out there and share your story, share your love, share Jesus. None of us gathering here today wants to be forgotten. Everyone wants to leave an impact. You want to leave a legacy. You want to be remembered for something. The best lasting impact you can leave to anyone, your friends, your children, your neighbor, your colleagues, 
your grandchildren, is drawing them to Christ. It's showing them the way of the Lord. It's showing them to the eternal life. That is the hugest legacy that you can ever leave with someone. I have a story of a friend of mine. Her name is Emily, uh, back at home in Kenya. We were working together and then um, she had stopped going to church. We used to go to different churches, so she had stopped going to her church. So one day I remember inviting her to my church and she was like, oh no, I go to my church. I knew she's not going. And then I invited her again. I can be a little bit stubborn, so yeah. I invited her again and she didn't show up. So okay, fine. One Saturday afternoon, I told her we have a youth gathering, we have music, we are going to dance and we have food. We Kenyans love dancing. Yeah, so who doesn't want free food? Who doesn't want to dance? She showed up. She came, she had a good time. And then she came again the other time we had the same meeting. And this other time she said, maybe I should try to come to church on Sunday, service, like a real normal service. And she came. Long story short, Emily gave her life to Christ. She rededicated her life to Christ. She got baptized. And <laughs> that was not enough. She met this handsome, good-looking man. She overtook me. She got married, and they have a very beautiful daughter, and they're serving the Lord together in that church. Emily can tell this story better than I can, but when I look at her life and the life of many others that I've seen transformed just because of saying, come go with me, or come let's try this out, it's a huge, huge blessing. Back to my story. If the two ladies and the one gentleman that I have never met, I don't know whether they're still alive, if they never spared the five minutes of their busy schedule to come and stop us in the forest and share the gospel with us, only God knows how I would have dealt with the trauma I was going through. And here I am. I went and shared the gospel with my brother. And actually, I took it upon myself every single Monday in school during break time to gather my friends together and share the gospel with them. And guys, I have seen thousands of people come to faith. What if they didn't stop? What if they said, ah, oh, those are just kids. Let's go and look for adults and share the gospel with them. What if they said that? I don't know what would have been of me. But because of their obedience, here I am today. They have no idea. But they led me to the way of the cross. They led me to faith. Philip would have said, no, I'm busy. I have a sermon, I'm, I'm preparing a sermon to preach in the evening where many people are coming, don't take me to the desert. Who's there? Who lives in the desert? If he was disobedient, we don't know if this Ethiopian would have ever received the gospel. We don't know if the region of Ethiopia would have received Christ. But he obeyed. And from the conversion of one man, many others have come to faith. Who is that in your life, in your neighborhood, in your office? Every time you meet, you have a good time, you chat, you talk about the dog and all that. What about you sneaked Jesus in there? Who is there that you need to invite over to your house for pizza and watermelon and share the gospel? I know that there is someone. Please, don't stand in the way of anyone meeting Jesus. Let's pray. Father Lord, we honor you.
yet again for your goodness over our lives. You know each and every one of us. You've engraved us on the palms of your hands. You know our end from the beginning. You know our deepest secrets. But you love us anyway. You continue pursuing us recklessly, Lord, and you don't give up on us. I pray for those of us in this service who are saying, I want to make that step. I want to allow Jesus in my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I want to have that relationship with him. Help them in that decision. Those of us who are saying, I guess it's time now to go out there and make this bold declaration of my faith through baptism, Lord, I pray. Enable them in that decision. And those of us who know deep within our hearts that there is someone that needs to be invited to church. There is someone who needs to be prayed for. There is someone who needs for us to share the gospel. Help us, Lord, to boldly step out and that your name will be glorified in us and through us. In Jesus' name.